0: Welcome back to the Financial Coconut Podcast Network, the leading personal finance podcast network in Singapore. I'm your host Reggie, a.k.a. Your Chief Financial Coconut, and every Thursday you will finally get to chill with us. Hosted by Andrew, we will be bringing on some of the quirkiest, geekiest, leading voices in the personal finance space to give them Simple time to talk about their stories, the lessons they have learned over time, and some good advice for all of us. What has aged well? What didn't do so well? Why did they do what they do? So sit back and chill with TFC. I think there's this dynamic where a lot of um, grasshopper startups that Mm -hmm. unfortunately were kind of overbuilt uh, for assuming a high capital liquidity environment. So I think at the end of the day, is Tech Winter here? Yes. Is it going to happen again? Yes, because it's happened before. Mm. And is it good or bad? And I say, well, it depends on whether you're a grasshopper on an end.
1: Hello and welcome to Chill with TFC, a show where we hang out and chill with the geekiest and quirkiest minds to explore how they think about money and life. On today's show, we have two familiar guests, Geraldine and Jeremy, to talk about the upcoming tech winter. You hear about the layoffs, profitability is going down, and times are tough. So how do we prepare for this tech winter? And this will be relevant, be it whether you're an investor, an existing employee, or just looking to get into the tech space. We're talking about how you do math.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, long story short, we met uh, because we were students studying at Orchard Library. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was uh, in NS uh, studying for my SATs. And I think that I can't remember what you were doing. But, studying
3: for O-Levels. Yeah. Right, right,
0: yeah. right. right yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah.
1: did, did you just randomly met at a library?
3: Yeah, so we met at the library. And mm-hmm. became friends after that. Okay. Correct. Got in
1: touch with each other, you know, and both yeah. are now in the tech industry, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah,
0: time flies, time flies. since. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I was like, oh, I don't know how to do math. And now I'm like, oh. And now, <laughs> Running I'm businesses, running. helping people
1: run businesses. Yeah, we
0: hopefully I know math better now. <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully, oh, you should. You should. I should. As that's a VC. What, that's what you think.
1: Because yeah. <laughs> actually, VCs might just be good at picking companies, right? You need, you need not do the actual math yourself. We, we have to do math. This yeah, is uh, some well, math, right? a math, yeah. Okay, know. valuations yeah. and all that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Jeremy has been on the show relatively recently. Mm. So you can check out his episode, Should you Invest in Your Friends and Family's Businesses? Mm. Well, both are a repeat guess, right? And mm. in between now and the last time Geraldine was on the show, you changed jobs.
3: Yes, I changed
1: jobs. Tell, tell us about that.
3: So, um, previously when I was here, uh, I was still at Salesforce. Hey, wait, no. I was, I was in a. I was in Change a, jobs
1: again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I moving was, up. <laughs> I was at
3: Vocado. Um So, ah. right now I'm doing something different. Right. So, mm. I'm looking after the commercial business at an Israeli tech startup called Sport. Mm. So, we're recently acquired by an American MNC. Basically, what we do is that we help um, customers with um, cloud optimization. Mm, yeah. Mm,
1: mm. <laughs> Yeah okay okay <laughs> you don't want to sell to me right?
0: <laughs> just okay just, just again okay. so enough we have information. Download yeah. the materials at bit.ly/123. <laughs> no, which is actually
3: very relevant during this time, right? Because a lot of companies are actually thinking mm. about like how can we improve our unit economics? How can we grow faster? How can we be more productive? And basically, what Spot does is really optimizing and also automating the the infrastructure management, which fits exactly into all these three objectives. Right,
1: we need your perspective because we're going to talk about the tech industry today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And while well, if you've seen Geraldine's. IG stories right she's been talking about a tech winter. So I want to ask both of you, is a tech winter coming? And a bit of background about that, right? Because you know, um, well, first first of all, how would you define a tech winter? Jeremy, why don't you take it first?
3: I guess when we look everybody's talking about tech winter these days, mm-hmm. right? And if we look at last year, all these companies they were basically like hiring like crazy, right? <laughs> Spending right. a lot, going on boat parties and all that. But right now this year the approach seems to be more conservative. Mm. So what does this mean? It means that they are really more focused on like unit economics. So when we look at the news, we will see companies... Okay, you help know,
1: us understand unit economics. Yeah.
3: Spending prudently mm. and being more efficient in the way they operate the company. Mm, okay. yeah. So if we look at the news, we will see stories of like layoffs. Um, I think it's every other or every week I get like a story of like some mm. company, be it big tech or like startups, you know, talking about like how employees are being let go, and everything, and how they really need to double down and focus. And for those who are not laying off yet or not laying off, mm. um, they are basically issuing press releases about how they are going to be profitable soon. So there's this whole talk about pathway to profitability, stretching your dollar, you know, becoming more. Um, sustainable and all that. There's the whole shift and focus. And last year I think Jeremy and I were having this conversation, mm. right? I asked him what do you care about? He said growth. I only care about growth. But like this year <laughs> suddenly like you get like do you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then this year like there's a lot of more focus on like oh Profitable sustainable, right. profitable and everything. Yeah.
0: Okay. So well do you think a tech winter is coming? You know, I think the thing about winter is they can't spy every year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because it's part of the season. Seasonal. And I think What we mean by that is this is not the first tech winter uh, that has happened before, right? I mean, we've heard of the dot-com boom. Uh, We actually had uh, quite a lot of dynamics that happened. And we see that in China and tech as well. That was happening over the past few years. So I think the question is just like there's always boom and there's bus cycles in every vertical, right? We see that in oil and gas. We see that in commodities. And the truth is that we see that in technology as well. And part of it is actually really linked um, to not just, of course, technology, but also I think fundamentally, how much do we as a society value technology and the promise of future profits down the road uh, versus you know, other investment opportunities? And that's actually very linked to interest rates that's mm-hmm. across the world. Yep. And so you know, for those who are in the know, I think we've been in an environment of low interest rates uh, for a good chunk of time. I mean, the US Fed printed so much money <laughs> over the past few years versus what they have historically printed. I mean, to put it in context, You know, over 100 years, they printed about a trillion dollars of capital. And then over the past 10 years, they effectively printed six trillion, right? So Mm. this kind of think about is like, you know, you deliver 6x the amount of print, but then you do that also in like a fraction of the time as well. And so all of that generated, obviously, a lot of asset inflation across the world. But it also created very low interest rates. And what low interest rates mean is that a lot of the projects and products that provide some level of return are fundamentally no longer attractive because of low interest rates. But then something like technology where you have a future return and as a result, normally subject to a lot of discounting uh, mm. rates versus that interest rate. Fundamentally, it becomes much more compelling. I think the low interest environment made technology be very, very compelling. And so a lot of capital, when they're seeking for a high return mm in a low interest rate environment or negative interest rate environment basically there was a huge shift that happened with the recent inflation spike due to the global crisis um, obviously in the europe in energy and so so forth the unwinding of the china u.s trade relationship deglobalization and so all those things basically means interest rates are going up to control that investment opportunities are more compelling now versus technology and so Capital is being pulled out of the mm. system. That would be great, you know, because I make it sound very financial, which I think is for the audience here. Mm-hmm. But I think where I think the pain really creeps in is basically what happens when companies that were built for summer, you know, the, you know the, the story of the ants and the grasshoppers, right? You know, um, you know the grasshopper plays all day during summer and then freezes and dies in winter, but the uh, ant that was working very hard in summer survives uh, the winter. And I think there's this dynamic where a lot of um, grasshopper startups that Mm -hmm. unfortunately were kind of overbuilt uh, for assuming a high capital liquidity environment, unfortunately, are now going through some tough decisions about doing layoffs and restructuring themselves. Whereas, uh, you know, I think some founders who saw this coming or were more conservative, and I've met a lot of them, are not only doing well, but going to do better during this downturn. Mm. So I think at the end of the day, is tech winter here? Yes. Um, is it gonna happen again? Yes, because it's happened before. Mm. And is it good or bad? And I says well, it depends on whether you're a grasshopper on the end. Okay,
1: yeah, I mean, you mentioned low interest rates. Those were good times, good times. <laughs> and Jaredy also pointed out, now companies are more focused on sustainability. So do you think there's a shift from profitability you know, last time it was growth and now it's shifting towards profitability, you know, actually making money. Are VCs being more prudent in where they invest? Well, the, the background of this is that last time you look at growth, right? Geraldine saying that you, you only look at growth. The the classic example that we all can relate to will be Uber. And they're losing money per, per trip back then, right? To acquire customers, you know, capture the market, conquer the market, whatever you call it. and And that's okay because growth was the main focus back then? But now are we looking more at, you know, are you making money or not?
0: The reality is VCs are still looking for growth because Mm. uh, what that means is if you look at all the different categories, you know, you can put money in stocks, you can put it in cash, you can put it in bonds, you can put it in real estate. And I think the mandate for venture capital is still to invest in technology that's growing very fast. The question is how fast is that growth, right? And I think that when there was a low interest rate and there was a lot of liquidity in the venture capital markets, That was this big assumption that there'll be more capital for a company to figure out growth a lot and then be able to count on other VC capital to come in to support them uh, when they become profitable later as well. And I think what's happened is that that bar or threshold is, yeah, you still need to grow quickly. And you should also have demonstrated that your unit economics at a Mm -hmm. fundamental level are working. And the truth is, I think all of the sober VCs who have seen this story play out, honestly, over the the past two decades, they still remember the dot-com crash and all these other things. So I think we've always still been there. We've always been looking for high growth and strong economics. However, I think there were a lot of venture capitalists, unfortunately, who were also part of the party, and they were willing to bid up uh, and invest in companies that showed that High growth or even higher growth without any evidence of that uneconomics. economics, mm. and so the combination of these two groups of capital has created this tech boom that we've seen over the years. Uh, but now I think you know parties starting to wind down, and so people are sobering up, and I think uh, there's that reversion where newer investors are starting to say, oh they're kind of relearning what we've already relearned multiple times in uh, the tech winters that we've seen around the world, which is that the time horizon for a startup is at least 10 years, maybe even 15 years these days. There's definitely going to be a bus cycle within those 10 to 15 years. Mm-hmm. I think people forget that all the time. It's, it's a long time to build a company and you know the super cycles are between seven to every 10 years. There's always going to be a recession and there's always going to be a boom cycle. Mm-hmm. So how do you have that equanimity as a founder and how do you have the equanimity as a board member and how do you have that equanimity as a VC to be disciplined during good times and to be aggressive during bad times, mm-hmm. right? And that's the start of the end, right? Which is, mm-hmm. you know, you can be aggressive during winter because you start up during summer, right? And I think that's really that whole life cycle that I think everybody has been thoughtful about.
1: Mm. Yeah. Do you think of the companies you've worked at or worked for like... Do you have examples of them being ends? How did they prepare during summer to prepare for winter?
3: Well, um, so I speak with many different um, um, companies out there. I think that it's really more about um, being uh, responsive to to change as well, right? So in one of the companies that I spoke with, I think it was as early as in February, they already sent out like, uh, uh, they already presented in their all hands like, hey, interest rates are increasing, Mm. it's going to be harder to raise our next round. What we need to do now is be more, um, you know, double down on growing, but at the same time, be more focused on, like, saving costs. So some of the things that I've seen in the recent months would be, like, you know, cutting down travel <laughs> expenses. Mm-hmm. So I think for many companies, if you work in tech, you can basically fly, fly SIA everywhere. <laughs> but now it's like, please take Scoot if it's, you know, nearby, right? <laughs> and all that. Also, like, other things that I'm seeing will be, like, you know, encouraging people to prudent about, like, all the other, like, parties and stuff like that that they... No, they're often organised, right, during mm. the, the, the good times, the summer times, yeah.
1: Yeah, they're quick to react. And I'm also reading reports about um, companies freezing hiring mm. or... Or in the US, I'm reading reports about, you know, getting those work from home employees to come back to the office. And if you don't, please, please <laughs> do what you will, and which, which is to leave the company, right? It's kind of a natural attrition going on there. So when you talk about winter, we, we give the macro picture and we give some numbers you mentioned like this. Okay, of course, finances is, is good for our audience. But on the ground, if, you know, employment looks bad, then that's something to, to worry about. But interestingly, because if, if I look at reports, right, let's take um, Singapore, for example. Because course, I, I just saw this yesterday. Um, Q2 employment this generally uh, employment is going back to near pre-pandemic levels and of course in the in the u.s whenever you talk about the recession they're always bringing out this counterpoint of oh but employment data looks good and of course this is looking at employment data generally and of course this is looking at old data looking backwards right so looking forwards you are saying that there is a winter we should definitely be prepared for it and and that employment data might be bad there might be layoffs coming Do you see that, Geraldine?
3: Basically, your question is really more about like, do I see employment like
1: Mm, uh, dropping? Specifically looking at employment. because we talk a bit about profitability, but let's look at the employment.
3: So, I cannot speak for the other industries because I do not... Mm. uh, Yeah, we're looking at tech specifically for this session. So, if um, companies um, are uh, are not able to raise their next round Mm -hmm. and then if they are not being like prudent about uh, expenses and they are not growing as fast as they want, definitely we will see... Um, Employees from these companies Being laid off um, You know Or maybe Having their salary cuts And things like that
1: Mm -hmm. How are they managing Profitability And all these layoffs Like what kind of jobs Are being lost Right now
3: I cannot Say for sure like right. what is the main type of job what that you're being but mm. what I'm observing um, is mainly recruitment jobs
0: oh yeah because okay. last year
3: there were a lot of like tech recruiters being hired right to snatch and fight for tech talent mm. but one of the jobs that I see being impacted is actually recruiters because if the company is not like hiring aggressively anymore you know what's the reason for having some of these recruiters right so that's why um, a lot of them are being um, let go other roles that I see impacted generally I mean I'm saying generally because every company is different. Yes. Right? Is the ones that are not connected to revenue or product? Yeah, these are the two areas being seen. Mm, see.
0: mm, mm. Is that what you see, Jeremy? I, I think that's really spot on um, because exactly like if you were built for high growth in terms of revenue, and therefore you said to yourself, "I need to have a high headcount growth," then when you decelerate, a think less recruiters is one. And I think the other way to think about it is that you know if you put yourself in, this, in the um, seat of the executive team, right? You know, you're looking to strengthen your unit economics, your revenue model. So that means it's important for you to keep your top performing sales reps, your g- marketers who are quantitative or able to prove that they are cost-effective. Channels are really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously product, because you're still looking to get out of your uh, product depth or you're uh, you know, coming out of your engineering debt, or you have to build new features to sell new customers. So I think really spot on there. What that means then is, you know, from an individual perspective is, are you material to the company, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You know, at a deep level, like, am I nice to have or am I, you know, a must have from that new environment? I think people have to be very thoughtful about, you um, Their job scope Mm. And if that means That you're in finance Or you're in um, Other parts Of the company I I think the challenge Is how do you make sure That you continue To articulate To your manager Your supervisor The leadership team About why your role Is important mm. but also you continuing to evolve your role to be more focused on that so for example you're in a finance team can you kind of like raise your hand and say hey I'm willing to be part of the cost-cutting or mm. you know like you know or workforce proactively, to proactively work okay. on that for example Or, you know, if you're in recruitment, then kind of like say, like, hey, how can we proactively put together a budget that's much more conservative, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. But also allow us to, you know, keep our head count. You know, we will, you know, we in-house some of those functions and use less consultants outside. So we preserve our jobs in that (laughs) sense. But then, you know, we let go of the, you know, consultants that were previously helping Mm -hmm. us with that function as well.
1: So I should be asking myself, am I directly contributing to the bottom line? of the company.
0: Yeah, or how can I improve my scope so that I'm part mm, of that.
1: Yeah. Right, and of course you can argue that every job has its function but, you know, when, mm. when push comes to shove and companies are, are forced to, like, you know, cut kind of course, you know, it, it could be let go. Yeah. yeah.
3: Actually, I, on that, Jeremy, while you're actually talking, I have a question. Can yeah. I ask questions? Ask, ask Jeremy, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, for most of the... the you know, attrition and all uh, layoffs and everything. I see that happening to tech companies. Yeah. But I'm not sure. Are they happening also in the VC side. And the reason why I ask this question is mm. because um, on one hand, you have a lot of like what we call dry powder, like in Southeast Asia now. I think many people set up their own like Southeast Asian funds, you know, we talk about Insignia, AC, Sequoia, a lot of like um, uh, money that is coming to this region. But at the same time, like investments are taking longer and then there's less volume also. so of investments, right? So, mm. what is your your take on it? Do you think that your know, VCs will be impacted also?
0: For the thousands of people in the region who <laughs> may be exploring a venture capital job, not the millions.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course I asked him, how does one become a VC? And yeah. the first answer he gave me, I'll re- rephrase, uh, yeah. basically have a lot of money. <laughs> that's, that's number one. <laughs> that's the easiest so, way to so, be Yeah, you VC. can be a complete idiot, but as long as you have money, yeah, people are going to come to you. But of course, the next answer he gave was, well, you can start working for a VC firm, yeah. start learning experience, there are yeah. courses you can take up. Yeah. So, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I, mean, I think uh, the reality is that again? Venture capital is a marathon, right? Not a sprint, and so the capital cycle is over. <laughs> like you know, you know, every fund is like basically a decade, right? You know, generally the teams at the senior and middle level uh, are relatively stable because you know they have that understanding that it's such a long journey. And I think where I think some of the shift may be would be on the junior level. Would be like, yeah, are there as many openings there are for entry-level venture capital uh, analysts to join a team? The answer is probably, probably less. Uh, and the reason why is because uh, any existing funds will continue to be you know, moderate and thoughtful about their deal flow activity and efficiencies and so, so forth, uh, which is not a problem.
2: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
0: And I think that new funds that were thinking they're going to raise a lot of capital or that were able to deploy, but unfortunately were caught out mm. um, and are underperforming versus their requirements, will have less jobs as a result. So I think it's not really an issue at the middle and senior levels, but I think at the junior levels, uh, there will be less openings than they were um, a year ago.
1: Okay, yeah. so we've got to position ourselves, right? So Jerry, what are you doing to position yourself in this environment? Mm.
3: Um, So from an employee's perspective, yeah. I mean. This is a finance podcast, so basics apply, right? (laughs) Have an emergency fund. Mm, And then when you're thinking about making um, big purchases, for example, property, it's good to be more conservative and think uh, from the perspective of like, hey, what happens if six months time I don't have my job and I'm going to be unemployed for maybe six months? So can I actually fund my mortgage? Mm. and So these are questions, hard questions to really ask yourself on an individual level. And I think that this is also the best time to actually um, grow. Because um, if, you know, if you don't stay competitive, you don't improve yourself, you don't keep up with the trends and, you know, upskill yourself, right, then it's really, um, you're putting yourself at a risk of being, you know, left behind. And yeah, so these are the two things that I'm actually doing, really just being um, conservative about expenses and at the same time, also doubling down on my own learning. Um, a third mm. aspect people don't, don't think about, but I think should be given more attention to is actually networking mm. uh, because that will actually serve as a, safety net for yourself, right? Uh, if, in an instance, you get let go or something because what I'm seeing right now is that, you know, I'm in various like tech WhatsApp groups, right? And then mm. people are like sending like uh, Google documents or Google Google Sheets about like, hey, these are all the impacted people, you know, let's help them and then like coming together to support each other. So, so um, immersing yourself in this kind of communities, getting to know more people. That's absolutely critical as
1: well. Mm. No, first learning and making yourself, improving yourself as an employee, right? Your skill set and everything. Mm. So Jeremy, as a VC do have advice for startup founders when they do recruitment? Like what kind of employees should they be looking out for? And I'm asking this question so that those who want to prepare themselves for tech winter, you know, make themselves more valuable as employees, right? They can know, you know, how can they improve in becoming a better employee?
0: I think when it comes to recruitment, I think everybody knows the basics, right? Which is, you know, you want someone who's able to perform the job description Mm -hmm. uh, and do it well and then work well for the team. What I found is that um, is less about the criteria and more about the standards that you hold yourself and the recruitment team uh, as a whole. Mm. What we mean by that is that there often may be a case where this person is good enough, right? And the question is, is that good enough, <laughs> right, as a mm. team to buy this person? Uh, because that's something that would have been easier right, to swing for uh, during the good times. But during these tougher times, I think the threshold is higher to be like, Yes, this person is definitely going to knock it out of the park, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a higher threshold. And so, founders and executive teams and hiring managers should really hold themselves to a higher bar. And if they're unable to uh, come to that conclusion, really consider how they can test for it deeper, right? So, could they use a case study? Could they provide an opportunity to work on site for a week, all right? have a probation period for three months. Uh, These are things that were tougher, frankly, uh, to implement during a pro-employee time period uh, during the tech, um, you know, kind of like summer. But during the tech winter, I think that for the right talent, it would really let you and the team get much better conviction Mm. to be like, okay, this person is definitely knocking it off the park. And I think that lets... um, everybody be happier, right? Which is, I think the employee knows that they have a better ch- chance, better future at the company. The company feels that they have a stronger foundation for the unit economics and therefore their overall revenue and profitability goals. Um, so I think at the end of the day, you know, a job is always a mutual match, right? Between mm-hmm. two sides. Is this a good company for the employee and is it a good employee for the company, right? And I think that's something that now has a higher threshold for everybody.
1: So it could be that if you are a B player, it, it, that used to be relatively okay. You're, you're safe, generally. But now, it could not be that safe anymore if you are not you know, really one of the A players within a company.
0: Yeah, I, I, mean, I think that in the past, there was this thing which is like, let's definitely hire A players. Mm. And let's, if we hire a B player, let's give this person a shot. Or let's uh. hopefully coach them to get to an A player. Right. And I think that's not the best mindset. I think I normally share with people is like, you want people who you could are A players or could be A players. And I think there's a bit of a fine distinction, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is saying this person is a B player versus someone who could be an A player. But those are actually very different dynamics, right? Which is, do you see the coachability? Do you see the humility? Do you see the Mm self-awareness that lets them have that future, right? right? And I think that that's the difference between those two categories. Jeremy, yeah. yeah. you, you want to react to that?
3: When Jeremy was, you know, describing all mm. this, right? What I was thinking about is that actually for companies, startups, it's actually a great time to actually hire. So mm. last year you have, um, you know, a lot of competition for good candidates, right? But mm. this year there is less competition, right? Because sometimes uh, good candidates may, uh, as a result of companies' decision, be released back into the. Um, job market and everything. So it's a good time for companies to hire and you can actually pick up some of these like talent you might not have access to like the previous years. Yeah.
1: So how do you think this tech winter will play out? And I know we're playing prediction games here, right? <laughs> but but let's, let's talk about how long do you think it will last? What are the factors? What are the variables that will cause it to shift and all that? Let, let's try to, you know, how far do you see this? Q4, Q1? How will this <laughs> tech winter play out? I'll ask Geraldine to too. Yeah, Jeremy, go for it.
0: <laughs> you know, fundamentally, a big part of it again it goes back to interest rates mm. which is linked to inflation so as long as the Fed is increasing interest rates or keeping interest rates high the awkward reality is that putting money in your savings account is better than you know so so far the hurdle rate is higher for VC and any kind of project and so um, to some extent we're actually making macroeconomic predictions of all costs right mm. because do we, believe, do, we, do, do we believe? Do we believe? No. Do we believe what the Fed is doing? But also, do yeah. we believe that the factors that are driving global inflation? Yeah. When is that going to play out? Mm-hmm. Right. And I think the truth is, I think the in the short term, I think energy and yes. the Europe crisis, unfortunately, is going to play out at least till the end of the year before there's any resolution. Um, and so, I think energy would be a problem in terms of inflation. I think that the unwinding um, between uh, deglobalization and the fragmentation of supply chains mm-hmm. is a more serious concern in the medium term. And so, you know, I I would say, you know, this period of high interest rates will last at least till Q1 next year. Mm. And so, as a result, I don't see any... Um, you know, shift, I think, from a technology perspective uh, mm. in the sense that I think there'll be a deepening of this tech winter at least till Q1 at minimum. Uh, how long it'll take to recover, again, will also d- depend. That being said, you know the joy of technology is that you know, there's so much creative destruction um, mm. and there's so much renewal all the time. And I think in the harshest of this winters, I think there will be still great founders and I've met them who are still crushing it. Um, still growing, still being thoughtful about business. And I think we will will still be able to raise large venture capital rounds in Q1 uh, next year, for example. If you weren't prepared for the winter, you can't count on winter going away. Mm -hmm. But for those that have been able to build, uh, I think there will be good stories in q1 um, mm. and so i think there'll be a lot of stories in q1 to be like is tech winter over right because yeah. all these people raise lots of money and you're like yeah because you know it's like green shoots right you know like the seeds and uh, you know spring is coming and spring is here and you know it's still cold <laughs> you know mm. af during spring mm-hmm. uh but you know i think the best teams will still be pushing forward
3: to add on to that, right? Um, what I see, like the boom times was actually like you know rising tide leaves all boats, right? Mm. So it's very hard to separate the good and great and not good companies. But what is happening now is that we're starting to see like, hey, who are the actual winners, right? Who are the people who are really like performing well and running this business? Uh, well, who who can execute versus like those who can't and we're just like cowboying their way their way through. So to address that that part about like how long I think this will last, mm. you know, so I I don't have a Um, I'm not very good at making like uh, forecasts I guess but um, what I've seen is that on average like what we call like down cycles will last about 15 months so this is statistics Um, and what I've been hearing from um, uh, VCs who have been posting on Twitter Mm. is that you know they're telling founders to prepare for like um, two years or even like three years Mm. runway right so I guess that um, this is probably like how long it might
1: last. It's like they're saying winter could be long, longer than you imagine, right? Yeah. Right. So I want ask questions for those who are interested in investing in, in tech. So what, what do you think? Is it a good time to invest in tech stocks or wait and see, wait till we get more clarity on the an inflation and interest rates environment? Jeremy?
0: It's a good time to invest in early stage uh, mm. tech. Okay. Uh, so private markets mm. because all the founders who now are being asked to raise two to three years, um, you know, they are willing to, I think, be thoughtful about the price, about what is a fair price versus the experiments and milestones that haven't been de-risked in mm-hmm. their growth journey to become, mm-hmm. you know, an exit and be a unicorn. And so I think this is a good time for private market, uh, in venture capital or technology investments. And if you're super early stage as like, you know, pre-revenue or pre-product market fit, then this is so, you know, the best teams will still be built be founded today from the people who have been terminated the people who have explored new opportunities from the people who have realized that their last company didn't really make sense but now they wanted to pivot and do something else I think this was still great things will still happen you know public technology companies again you know it's cyclical right and mm-hmm. so the truth is I think we may be near the bottom or at the bottom in terms of technology stocks but it may still take a long time for it to hit the peaks that we saw because again 2021 was a function of so much capital liquidity flowing into that piece. So it benefited from both a stock market, bull market, and uh, the allocation from high interest to a low interest rate environment. So that confluence of factors may not come as easily as the next five years, for example. Mm. So I think the fundamental thing is there's probably really good deals as well on the public markets, on tech. But I think, again, you can't do an index, I think, at this point of time,
1: Mm. easily. Okay, it won't be as easy.
0: Yeah, because, you know, know, at the start of the pandemic, if you put in a dollar, (laughs) you pretty much got to $2 at the end of it because, you know, there's so much liquidity that that the Fed was printing and then they Mm -hmm. gave it to everybody and everybody went to stock market. It went to houses, it went to crypto, (laughs) and it went to the, you know, tech markets. Like, I mean, you look at Zoom, right? You know, Mm. uh, Zoom is a tremendous company and I think he has a lot of strength. And I think it will continue to be a great company for the next decade. It's just that the 2021 price was way above of what the fundamentals actually were mm. uh, mm-hmm. in terms of the price to earnings multiples, and everybody knew it. Even the CEO was kind of like, "Hey, this is a really crazy price," um, and you know. But I think you know, people are just like you know we have to put this money somewhere.
1: Yeah. So we're saying that we might not be seeing. All time highs or even higher for the next five years. I mean, of course, it's uh, we, we don't know how how it'll play out, right? So it's just giving like okay, could be a long time frame before you see those numbers again.
0: Well, if the Fed prints six trillion yeah. dollars of yeah. money in the next one year, then definitely put your money Fat in favor. Uh, big tech, yeah. yeah, for sure.
1: Okay, yeah. okay. Well, for the rest of us, I mean, you mentioned investing in private markets would be great. For the rest of us who are not into VC yet, <laughs> right, myself and Geraldine. in. So how how are you managing your your portfolio?
3: I think when you were. Asking about timing, is it a good time and all that? The, the same old um, principles apply, right? Mm. Like Don't try to time the <laughs> market because none of us here would know, like, you know, when is the bottom. For all, we know tomorrow everything can just, like, recover and, like, mm. you know, and everything. Because all these things are out of our hands. So whether it's a good time to invest or not depends on what you invest in, right? So mm. if you do find solid companies, great fundamentals, you know, Um, doing really well and executing really well then by all means continue to you know put your money there because you are basically like um, getting them at actually a very good price Um, so yeah don't time the market and then stick stick to the basics like focus on fundamentals you know and make sure that you you know what you are Mm. investing in
1: but ultimately believe in tech stocks right I mean give it 5 years 10 years what have you in the long term perspectives of it
3: well, not, not all tech companies are made equal. Mm. So yeah, at least for the ones that I've put okay. my money in, I do believe in. Okay, yeah. all right.
1: Okay, all right. Thank you. Stay tuned all the way after this quick note for our personal money question segment. Before that, I hope you've learned something useful today. Join our Telegram group, follow us on our socials and check out thefinancialcoconut.com number one what's the best and worst investment they've had need not be a financial one
3: so my best investment is actually working in tech itself like choosing to build my career in software as a service so i think that has been tremendous from all fronts right um, personal growth financial and the kind of things and exposure that i get um, to at a really like young age so i really appreciate this opportunity and my life would be drastically different if i was not in this industry so that's my best investment My worst investment. You're hired, Jeremy.
1: (laughs) Saying good answer. I see the not approval. a (laughs) approval.
2: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. (laughs) Worst Um, investment. Worst investments. So something I value
3: more than money is actually time. Hmm. So I think that my worst investments would be investing time into the wrong um, type of like... um, people, be from a work perspective or also personal life, yeah.
1: Oh, could you tell me a bit more about that?
3: So, for example, like um, maybe putting a lot of effort to try to coach someone who is oh. not coachable, right? right and then right. that's, to me, it's like I didn't make good use of my time because that amount of time and effort, I could put it into someone else who mm. actually has a growth mindset and a more like ability to, you know, the ability and willingness to learn, mm.
1: yeah. Because in your job, you also coach, mentor and guide people. Mm. Okay, investment yeah. of time.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a lot of truth to, I think, the best investment being in the right category, and the right vertical, in the right geography. I mean, you know, my wife always reminds me, it's like, you can be the best person in uh, oil and gas, right? And a few years ago, I remember there was a crisis when oil and gas, effectively, the price of oil went Mm. to zero, right? And just you couldn't. You know, save a job even right. if you're the best oil and gas, you know, middle manager there uh, because there's so much pain, right? Mm. Uh, but now, you know, oil and gas is so expensive, an under-performer and underperformer <laughs> still, and, and you would be still be crushed be it again. You'll be fine, right? And so I think, I think uh, technology and you know, SaaS and uh, mm. being in Singapore and Southeast Asia yeah. is a really good timing. Yeah.
3: yeah, I feel privileged every day. Okay, so it's like not not. I mean, it sounds like corny, but I feel privileged mm. every day to be working in a high growth sector in a high growth market mm. and I feel that, you know, like so many people don't have this opportunity and I'm really lucky to to be to be here.
1: Yeah. Okay. So career-wise, you got to pick as well. Mm. It affects your career path. Second question for you, what's something that you spend less than $100 that has been a game changer for you?
3: Treating people. Mm. Buying people lunch.
1: But well, over <laughs> the lifetime, I think you've uh, done more than $100. Okay, uh, I'm right? thinking from a lunch
3: <laughs> perspective. <laughs> oh, one is lunch like, is yeah, less one than lunch, $100. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, I mean, yeah. Th- yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I think treating people lunch is, is something that is, that pays like, a lot of um, mm. return right? because in exchange you actually get a lot of their knowledge and experience which they share with you during the lunch mm. you get to build a, a good relationship with them as well and you also improve your what we call luck area, area mm. right? because mm. in the future they might like you know refer you or you could help them as well so it's a mutual kind of thing so I find that buying people lunch is something really like, underrated but for mm. me I've been doing it um, quite often uh, when I ask people to meet I will always like you know tell them I will, I will, I will treat them and I'll even travel if you want me to go pass to meet them I also will go Yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) correct.
1: You can also check out Geraldine's previous episode. I believe it's still relevant about how to network and how to really build a career. Last question for you a place that you learn from that you think is underrated. Could be anywhere, book, website, blog.
3: So generally my uh, whole life I've been a reader, so I like to read Mm. books, right? And uh, also searching up for things on Google whenever I have questions, right? And all that. But increasingly what I have found is that a lot of, I've reached a stage in life whereby a lot of answers cannot be found on Google anymore. And books, sometimes like they... May be written by authors Who are like living far away And all that Who may not understand The context here What I found as a valuable place To learn would be Actually from people Who are actually A few steps ahead of me Mm. So this can be through podcasts When we can dive in depth And then understand Their thought processes The way they make decisions And how they view things And also um, through like You know uh, Lunches right Like talking about Mm -hmm. Having lunch with people Because that's where I get to Receive like the first hand Unfiltered opinions right from, From them yeah
1: Mm, yeah, a lot of books are written from the Western perspective mm. and of course Jeremy has a book recently that's called Southeast Asia Tech so if you want to read more about that you could
3: yeah we will include the link in the description
1: we will <laughs> <laughs> you're telling <laughs> my marketing people what to do <laughs> That's <okay>.
0: www.jeremyr.com
1: <laughs> alright Geraldine your plug that's plugged. where you get it <laughs> and now for Geraldine's plug so <laughs> where is, to find you
3: um, you can follow me on LinkedIn mm. uh, and I also recently started to be on Twitter mm-hmm. so I'll uh, share my links with you also to put in the description (laughs)
1: All right. (laughs) Thank you. Follow them. Thank you. Thank you so much.